With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is the wrestling is the wrestling is the Here are your hosts. Here are your hosts. Emerson Whitner. Emerson. Oh yeah. Yes. 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 Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Emerson Whitner, joined with me as always by the only person who needs to mute his phone so we can stop hearing his Facebook notifications, my brother, Brian Whitner. Brian, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing good, dear brother. And it wasn't, it wasn't my Facebook notifications, it was actually me logging onto a computer. So, yes. Ah, you know, you should probably mute that at some point. Yeah, I did all right. Don't worry. Uh, so, yes, tonight we are here to discuss Battleground. And, Brian, this is the third Battleground. And we're gonna, I'm going to be full of trivia tonight because I was pulling trivia out of my ass this whole night here. Michael Cole had to try to keep up at the end. But uh, this is yeah, this is the uh, uh, third Battleground, and the second time the main event ended with a run-in with no main event finish. God. Do you remember what the other time that happened was, Brian? Wasn't it last year? No, last year was the four-way with uh, Cena, Roman, Orton, and Kane. And you should remember, because last year, and, you know, get some history out of the way here, this is the one-year anniversary of us attempting to do these post-pay-per-view recap shows. Now, Uh of course... Of course, some of the shows we haven't done for this reason or that reason, but, you know, we've done a lot of these. And uh, one year ago, when we attempted to do this, it was the biggest clusterfuck of all time. And That's almost led, yes, it almost led to me quitting doing this podcast because it was so much crap from Blog Talk Radio. But we're still here. And by the way, Yay. this is our... Yeah, this is our 74th show, Brian. 74. Yes, yes, 
And you, our dear loyal listeners, can go back and listen to all 73 podcasts that we've already done, including all of our interviews with Joel Gertner, with Johnny Fairplay, uh, with Brian Alvarez and R.J. Brewer and uh, Antonio the Promised Thomas, and so many people. Yes, a whole bunch of people that I'm going to forget, so I'm going to stop naming people. Uh, So, Brian, well, during my plug, uh, did you remember who it was? The the pay-per-view that ended in the the Battleground media that ended in a loss? Yes. Nope. Well, it was 2013, obviously, and it was Randy Orton versus Daniel Bryan for the held-up WWE title, and the finish was Big Show running out and beating up both of them and the referee and then celebrating. Hmm. Now, the difference is that one had a pretty shitty undercard except for one match. This one, you know, had a lot of pretty good matches on the undercard, I thought. Yes, yes, I agree with you on that statement. Yes, and we and we can argue booking, and I'll try to force Brian to get an opinion about something tonight, but we'll get into that. By the way, Brian, <laughs> while we're talking about stuff that's probably not going to happen, are you going to watch the G1 tonight? Um, did you send me? You said you were going to send me the link. Uh, you're telling me that if I send that to you, then at two in the morning in three hours, you're going to watch Japanese wrestling. With Japanese commentary. Uh, oh, Japanese wow. commentary? There's no, there's no what's it called? You know, we've had this discussion many times. No, there's no oh, English okay. commentary. It's Japanese commentary. Wow. I don't know if I can do that or not. Uh-huh. Hard. I'm going to try, but I mean, that's... Oh. I oh. doubt you'll even do that. I, I want to report from you this Wednesday uh, on the show. <laughs> That well, if I don't watch it, then I'll let you know. That should be interesting. Uh, it should be interesting if you try to pronounce the names of the wrestlers. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, like AJ, what is that? Steels? Beals? AJ, yes, AJ Steels. <laughs> oh, God. So that starts in three hours. So before we get to that, let's talk about Battleground, shall we, Brian? Now, did you watch yep. the entire show? I did. Oh, my God. I'm going to have a heart attack. Yes. And how did the network hold up for you? It held up pretty good. I found out that if I watch it at work, it holds up pretty good. Although, yeah, although, I, think I, watched... my work, although I think my work laptop was about five seconds behind my phone. So, actually, the phone part of it went pretty good. Uh, this so was the my, first I watched it out. Yeah, I watched it on my phone, and one of my residents watched it on the work laptop. And he was about five seconds behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the first time I watched um, a pay-per-view on my Blu-ray, because uh, I can yeah. I, I download the network on there. And it went fairly smoothly, better than the last couple I've gone on my Roku. So we'll see if that's uh, con- something consistent or if, yeah, you know, yeah. it's... Uh, but I imagine this show didn't have that much buzz going about it, so I imagine a lot of people probably skipped it. So we'll see how it goes in the future. But um, we started with the pre-show. It's one hell of a pay-per-view. Well, 
if they missed it, ultimately, like with most WWE pay-per-views, if you missed it, you didn't miss anything, you know, no. really. Um, They'll have like but if you watched it, you enjoyed yourself. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we had the battle for the crown in the pre-show. King Barrett versus R-Truth. I refuse to call him King What's Up. Um, <laughs> do you ever notice they always do the sponsor plug during R-Truth's rap? I know Truth I says, you. Yeah, I know Truth says the same thing every single time, but come on, that rap is all he has. <laughs> to believe but, that. Yes. The finish of the match saw Barrett kick out of the axe kick and uh, then win with a bull hammer. So he's still the king. And, you know, yes. this was this was the uh, third battle for the crown in WWE history, Brian. And between yes, two people who had... It was between two people who had the rightful claim to be king. Not like uh, Michael Cole tried to say two other times, but no. There were two other matches where two people who had a legitimate claim to the crown that battled for the uh, crown. Who was it, Brian? Oh, I don't know. I thought you meant Macho Man and Hacksaw and Hacksaw and Haku. (laughs) Nope. The first one, speaking of Haku, was Haku versus Harley Race at Royal Rumble 89. Hmm. And the other, Red Hart versus Jerry Lawler at SummerSlam. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Mm -hmm. JBL hmm. made a TL Hopper reference when he's talking about Truth's plunger. Little did I know oh, that would, yeah, that would be the closest thing to an up-to-date reference JBL would make all night. <laughs> and and Jerry Lawler kept talking about how Wade has a giant nose. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, Brian, but he doesn't have a big nose. He does. He does. No, he doesn't. No, you're right. You're right. He doesn't. Yeah. And then, of course, every time they do a freaking pay-per-view, they do this asinine segment where Tom Phillips is asking Twitter questions to somebody. And uh-huh. we laughed about it a few months ago when he, when Lana was talking about how Dolph Ziggler taught her to take selfies. And this caused Tom to start laughing over selfies. So this month, he talked to Paul Heyman, who looked like he'd rather be anywhere else in the world then answering these retarded questions, and it lasted about a minute and a half, and that was that. Yes, yes, that was that. Yes. But we go to the main card, and the story of the undercard was that everybody rammed their shoulder into the ring post. I noticed that. Yeah. Um. I want to point out at SummerSlam 1988, uh, Ken Patera went shoulder first into the ring post, and that was the finish of the match when Bad News Brown immediately hit him with a ghetto blaster. In our first match, Randy Orton versus Sheamus, uh, Sheamus went shoulder first into the post and immediately started throwing punches with his theoretically bad arm. That's what we call no-selling, folks. Yes. Well, that... Uh, this was Seamus' night to no-sell, because then, and by the way, the show was in St. Louis, so you'll never guess who the 
Uh, number two, Babyface was because Lesnar was number one. Uh, you never guess who the number two Babyface was. Sheamus? No. How'd you guess it was not Randy Orton? Uh, do you have me on speakerphone or something over there? Yes, I do. You sound very far away from the phone, and you on the computer is making more noise than you in your voice. I'm sorry. Please mute, please mute your computer, because that thing keeps plopping onto the air. Okay, I'm sorry. Good job. So in this match, uh, and then after Sheamus no-sold the corner post, uh, he then took a side suplex on the announce table, which, by the way, didn't break, but Sheamus sold that one for 10 seconds before getting up and ignoring it ever happened. Uh, the finish saw Orton, uh, I'm sorry, saw Sheamus put on the Texas Cloverleaf for about a minute. Orton got to the ropes, and uh, because, you know, baby faces don't tap, um, so why would Orton ever tap out? So Orton got the ropes, stood up, and immediately hit the RKO and won the match. Mm-hmm. Now, Brian, I don't know if you know this or not, but in his, um, you know on Monday when Stephanie McMahon um, assigned Divas to the roster and assigned them different people? Yes. Well, in a deleted scene that wasn't seen on Raw, because uh, it got edited out due to time constraints, Stephanie McMahon assigned Bailey and Emma to be on my team. Oh, okay. That's why they weren't there tonight. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we, got our, we got our first surprise of the night when primetime players retained the tag titles, beating New Day. Um, I noted that New Day lost last month, and not a single time was it ever mentioned that Kofi Kingston, because it was always a three-person New Day team, but last month Kofi Kingston wasn't in the match because he was in the Money in the Bank ladder match and was too hurt to be at ringside, and they never, ever brought that up. Expect them to do something like that? Well, I expect you to press mute on your computer, but you never did. Uh, I did hit mute. Well, then why did I hear the plop again, Brian? I have no idea. Uh-huh. Um, so during this match, I realized that the three men who were the final three at an NXT Redemption way back when, and were the final three for like 11 months, they are all currently champions. Darren and Titus are the tag champs, while Derek Bateman uh, embraced his inner Carter and became TNA champion. Any comment? Brian, you still there? Brian, I didn't tell you to mute the phone. I told yeah, you to mute I'm still speechless on how much knowledge that you have. Okay, well, every so often you need to say something so I know you're there. Sorry. Um, so they got the heat on Darren. Titus went crazy when they got the hot tag. The fans were into Titus's comeback. Um, Big E distracted the referee, so Xavier kicked Titus in the head. Kofi went for a top rope, what a maneuver, but got chopped on the way down. 
whole, the whole match was Titus kept chopping Kofi over and over again. Uh, Darren tagged back in, gave Xavier a souple on the ring apron, and Titus, uh, he, I wrote he gave Titus his fireman's carry gut buster, which he didn't. He gave it to Kofi. And uh, Big E shoulder blocked the ring post, and Titus gave Big E the clash of the Titus for the win. Yeah, there was one hell of a match I felt. Uh, I thought the Orton Sheamus match was better. It was, but still, not too bad for a tag team match, I feel. So, Paige gave Team Paige a pep talk because at some point in here, uh, Stephanie McMahon towered over JoJo and told her that there'd be a triple threat Divas match tonight. It was probably after the first match, but I never really made note of it. Um, yeah, I, after the I never. No, no. Well, was it after the second match? I thought it was after the first. I thought it was after the Sheamus match. I believe it was after the second match. Yes, the towering Stephanie oh. over the tiny Jojo. Well, either way, uh, Paige gave Team Paige a pep talk and said that tonight's the start of the revolution. Now, bef- I want to point out before everyone gets so excited over Charlotte and Sasha and Becky, and that this is going to be the new day for women in WWE, and it's going to be the real wrestlers now and not the fitness models, and the Day of the Bellas is over. This Wednesday night on the award-winning WWE Network is the re-debut of Eva Marie. That's right. Yes. In mind, Brian Whitner is the only person who likes Eva Marie, and she returns this Wednesday on NXT. I'm excited for it. I may actually watch it. I don't believe you. So maybe. <sighs> so, Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt. And it's time for some random trivia, Brian. This no, was I'll the try. 9 o'clock. This was the match at 9 o'clock. And this was the first time since Survivor Series that John Cena did not wrestle in the 9 o'clock match on pay-per-view. Hmm. Interesting. I just made Brian's head explode. Mind blown right now. Um, I wrote that Roman Reigns has had five straight great pay-per-view matches leading into this, including one with the fucking big show. So yeah. I felt this one may have some potential. And Brian, would you say that this is Roman Reigns' sixth straight great pay-per-view match? Yeah, I just I mean it wasn't like it wasn't like the best of the six, but yeah, it was up there. Oh, I'd give it to him too. So uh the fans are mostly behind Bray. There was a smattering of Roman fans throughout the crowd. I noticed that people People enjoy booing Roman, but as soon as Roman sets up for one of his finishers, the place goes nuts. It's so mm-hmm. weird. And that's the story of Roman Reigns. Uh, this match was, you know, shockingly good. I mean, at one, I, I, it dragged at the start. It went 21 minutes. And it dragged for yeah. about the first 10 minutes because Bray just, sat in some very long chin locks and it just seemed like it was never going to end. 
Roman kept going for the Superman punch and both times got countered. Uh, Bray kept going for Sister Abigail and it kept getting countered. Uh, Roman finally hit the Superman punch but only got a two count. Uh, He went for a spear once, got a boot in the head. Then he immediately went for another spear and Bray Wyatt punched him so hard in the face it might have sent Roman's head into the 15th row. That's pretty nice one. So while Roman was screwing his head back on, Bray did his crab walk uh, and went for Sister Abigail. It was a good thing Roman screwed his head back on because he head-butted out of Sister Abigail. He hit his second Samoan drop of the match, and Bray rolled outside and grabbed an international object, a metal folding chair. But, you know, Roman doesn't want to get hit by a metal folding chair, so he rolled outside, hit Bray, and threw a bunch of chairs in the ring. Why did Roman throw a bunch of chairs in the ring? To distract the referee, because he's an idiot. So while the referee was distracted removing the chairs out of the ring, a tall man in a, in a hoodie that everyone immediately realized was Luke Harper attacked Roman and shoved him into the ring post. Uh, Bray gave Roman's sister Abigail twice, once into the ring apron, and then once when they got back into the ring. And Bray Wyatt, much like I predicted, Beat Roman Reigns. You didn't give him Sister Abigail on the ring apron. Give him like a sidewalk slam. That looked like a Sister Abigail. Eh, no, nah, it was a sidewalk slam. Yep. Well, let's be honest. Did anybody believe that was anyone but Luke Harper? No, I didn't. <laughs> it's like at first time, like when he came out, like it was Luke Harper. And then when he got in the ring and started removing his hoodie, I was kind of like, what if it was Ambrose? Because, you know, they're both oh, yeah. kind of – both Ambrose and Luke kind of, you know, have that same body type. But then, of yeah. course, he took off his hoodie and did with Luke. Much to the surprise of no one. No. Nope. Okay. So that was the halfway point of the show. So, Brian, it's time for a musical interlude. Do you have any preferences of what to play? No, let's go. Okay, so let's play something we haven't heard in a while. An oldie but a goodie. In a moment, our guest, ladies and gentlemen, will be Superfly. Jimmy Snooker, one-on-one with the Cobra Clutch Specialist, Sergeant Slaughter. What about it, Jimmy? It just seems like there's many that everybody just wants to cripple me somehow. It just seems like somebody just want to put me out of professional wrestling. Just seems like that they want to treat me like if I'm some kind of an animal. Seems like they want to take me in the back of some warehouse and try to treat me to teach me some lesson into my mind. Well, Sergeant Slaughter, you might be right in your way. But you got to remember one thing, brother. I am not in your category as far as the army way of thinking and knowledge of your mind. This man has got totally a different knowledge and totally a different thinking according to the way you think. The only thinking that we're going to do, brother, is right inside there. Don't you? 240 pounds. Uh, it's been a while since we heard that one. Yeah, it's beautiful. I uh, you got rid of that. JoJo interviewed Team Bad backstage. Uh, Sasha did have the NXT women's title with her, and she was the only person dressed to wrestle. So I'll be shocked to hear this, but Sasha was the person chosen to wrestle. Yeah. 
I like that Brian always has better things to do during our show than do our show. <laughs> what do you mean? What is all that noise that's always going on on your end? I'm not. I, it's a new phone. I'm still trying to figure it out. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I have to put up with on a weekly basis. Remember when I threatened no, you that I was going to have... I was gonna have a contest to find my new co-host. Yes, I did. I do remember you, Aaron, saying this. Yes, you know it's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> um, so we got the triple threat match: uh, Sasha, Charlotte, and Brie Bella. They teased that it was gonna be Nikki Bella, but Nikki's actually injured, so it was never gonna be her. Um, I was mostly upset that when Sasha came out. She came out to Naomi's music instead of hers. Yeah. I see, Brian, if I would have booked this match, I would have taken Brie, I would have duct taped her to a chair and pushed her out the building and then had Sasha and Charlotte wrestle. Unfortunately, I didn't book it, so we had a three-way. And Brie was... Brie held her own, and of all the fitness models, she's probably the best of them. But it was yeah. obvious in this match that she wasn't in their league. Yeah. Um, for Charlotte and Sasha's first match um, on the main roster, well, I guess it's technically Charlotte's second match because she had that forgettable match last year with uh, Natalia on Raw. But if you ignore that, uh, and, it's, and consider this Charlotte's first match on the main roster, she held herself quite well, I thought. Uh, neither her nor Sasha looked nervous or out of their element. They looked like they just said to themselves, we have wrestled each other 5,000 times now. We're just going to go out there and have the match that we have with, we always have together, and we'll mm-hmm. every so often include Brie Bella and do something. Um, the announcers are really pushing that this is the start of a revolution. This is the start of something new that they're not going to treat the Divas as the piss-break match. Uh, we'll get into what the new piss-break match is in a few minutes. And I approve of what the new piss-break match is, by the way. I'll point that out. Um, but uh, a lot... I'd say a bunch of the fans right in front of the camera all cared about this and all cared about Sasha and Charlotte but most of the crowd didn't know who these girls were and didn't care. So it's it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It is going to take a while to get over in people's heads, but hopefully Vince is not as stubborn with the women as he was with a lot of the other NXT call-ups in the past. And yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who know, We could be sitting here a year from now at Battleground 2016, and having Sasha versus Charlotte in the main event, which ends in a disqualification when Nikki Bella runs in and beats the crap out of both of them. <laughs> you never know. Probably could happen. Yes. But, uh, you know, especially on all these pap- on all these B shows, like, would it really offend you, Brian, if they put a really, really good four-star woman's match in the last match of the night? It wouldn't surprise me. I think they would, they will eventually do that. 
But that's but not my question. Would, that wasn't my question. Would it offend you? No. Would you avoid watching the show because instead of having a four-star men's match, you got a four-star women's match instead? Absolutely not. I think that's part of it, too, is that they think if they try doing that, no one's going to watch. I would watch remember, it. Well, if you remember back when NXT first started his developmental, they started the women's division, and it's not like right away they said, okay, we're going to put Paige versus Emma in the main events of our TV shows. No. Paige versus Emma was still the opening match on NXT TV, even though it was the most pushed match of the week. It took six, eight months of, yeah, before they considered them in the uh, in a main event spot. Um, so JBL compared the NXT girls coming in to WCW invading WWE. And so I got flashbacks to when the entire WWF B team in Madison Square Garden on a SmackDown taping got Buff Bagwell, Chuck Palumbo, and Sean O'Hare in the ring and stiffed the holy living hell out of them. It, especially after the cameras were turned off. <laughs> of course. So so I wonder if this means that Rosa Mendez and whoever the hell else is left in this company that isn't in this feud uh, are going to run down now and beat the tar out of Charlotte and Sasha. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, Charlotte went for a spear, but Sasha sidestepped her and let her spear breathe. Seriously, that, that spear, like, no one was hitting that spear tonight. Um, but uh, Bree suddenly shouted that it's Bree mode. But if you watch Total Divas, which I do not, but I'm sure Brian does, uh, Bree do mode not. is when Bree gets drunk and makes an ass out of herself. I do so, remember seeing that part. <laughs> so, of course, Bree, like, gets in, like, two seconds of offense and then goes flying outside. So maybe she was drunk. Who knows? Uh, yeah, no, exactly. When, when Bree went flying outside, uh, everybody who wasn't in the match surrounded Bree. So Sasha did a suicide dive onto the group. And then when she stood up and her girls stood up, Charlotte did a dive onto them. Uh, back in the ring, Sasha slapped on the bank statement to Charlotte. Bree broke it up and threw Sasha shoulder first into the ring post. I mean, the fourth person to have that done to him, to them during the night. Bree went for the X Factor on Charlotte, but Charlotte blocked it and won with the figure eight, the bridging figure four souple, or figure four leg lock. What the hell am I talking about, souple? So the match was fine. Yeah. Uh, the match was fine, better than a lot of pay-per-view women's matches have been. Probably the best in whenever the last time AJ and Paige wrestled on pay-per-view was, uh, whenever uh, that was, that was the last time. <laughs> uh, and that was a year ago, but they also wrestled like 53 times straight. Um, yeah. But it was still, honestly, it wasn't even on the same caliber as the Sasha-Charlotte match was last week on NXT. But, I mean, that was a really, really good match. Between two, like I said, between two people have wrestled each other 3,000 times. It's harder to have a three-way, especially when you've never wrestled one of them. 
still is a hell of a battle. Yep. Then we got the semi-main event. U.S. title on the line, John Cena versus Kevin Owens. My prediction was that Kevin Owens would not win the title, but I thought what would happen was that Cesaro and Rusev would run in and have a ran, would have a giant four-person clusterfuck because Owens kept costing those two the U.S. title against Cena. Yeah, yeah. Now, Brian, I've got a trivia question for you, and this is one I didn't post on fa- on uh, Twitter, so you can't just go on Twitter and read what I said three hours ago. Yeah. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Since November of 2008, and I'm sure since before then, but that's only as far back as I went, only three people have defeated John Cena at least two times in a string of three straight pay-per-view matches, meaning if in three straight pay-per-views, only these three people beat Cena at least twice. So... In other words, if they wrestled at Royal Rumble, No Way Out in WrestleMania, and they beat Cena at Royal Rumble and No Way Out, or at Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, that's two out of three. Okay. So who are the three, Brian? And actually, one of them did it twice. That beat him two in a row. Not not necessarily two in a row, but two out of three shows. Okay, Lesnar was one. That beat him two out of three in a row? Lesnar lost by disqualification at Night of Champions last year. Oh, that's right. I don't mean like I don't mean three straight times against the same opponent. I mean two out of three straight pay per views. That's seen a loss. It does not be the same person. No, it has to be the same person, but it has to be three straight pay per views. It can't be like Le- Lesnar beat Cena at SummerSlam and then beat Cena at Royal Rumble, and then lost yeah, to yeah. Cena at... Uh, Bray? Nope. Orton? Orton actually did it twice. Okay, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a weird one. Big Show? No, Ruth? no not Ruth. Or maybe Ruth. No, not Ruth. Big Show. I don't know. Orton did it twice, like I said, once at SummerSlam and Hell in a Cell 2009, and then actually, and I hope, Brian, you're sitting down for this, he beat John Cena three straight pay-per-views, TLC 2013, Royal Rumble 2014, and Elimination Chamber 2014. Okay, no. Well, that was because, uh, actually, White interfered in the last two, but... Still, Orton was going to beat him both times. And the other two? CM Punk. Nope. Yeah. When? No. Dan O'Brien beat him one time, Brian. And they didn't wrestle the month before, and they didn't wrestle the month after. CM Punk and who else? I just said CM Punk. CM Punk did Money in the Bank and SummerSlam 2011. And can you take a wild guess on the third one? I know. I forget. Edge. Edge. 
No Way Out and Backlash 2009. Yes. So with that in mind, Kevin Owens is not the fourth person to join that group. John Cena tapped him out. And now the funny thing about this match was, you know, they were going for finishers in the first five minutes of the match, and you knew that nobody believed the match was ending anytime soon. Yeah. Because they kept, like, they like honestly, it was five minutes in when Cena kept going for the AA. Owens would get out of it, go for the Swanton, but Cena would get his knees up. Cena locked on the STF. No one believed the match was over at that point, so they didn't care. He went for the springboard stunner. Oh, oh here, here's, my, here's my rant for the match. It's not really a rant yet, but Owens gave, at one point gave him a German suplex. There are 5,000 different suplex variations, and Kevin Owens has to use the one that the main event was being built around. Just pointing that out. Of course. Uh, Cena hit his code red at one point, uh, which I don't know. Do you think Cena's just coming up with moves to piss off Internet fans who says he have he has five moves? Probably. Uh, Cena went for his top rope leg drop, but Owens caught him and gave him a sit-out power bomb. And I don't know if the announcers just didn't realize what happened, but they just did not care. They're like, and Owens, oh, oh, Cena kicks out of two, and then you could just hear Vince yelling at him through the headsets, and we saw two different replays, and. They got progressively more and more excited. Uh, Owens (laughs) dropped Cena on his head with a DDT, and they showed the replay twice, and you could watch Cena cringe as Owens dropped him on the top of his head. It looks like Uh, it hurt a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, More trivia time, Brian. uh, Cena's gone for the uh, middle rope AA like three dozen times in the past couple of years. And tonight was the first time since, uh, tonight was the first time in eight years that he uh, hit that move. Now, Owens actually kicked out of it, but who was the last person Cena successfully gave the middle rope AA to? Edge? Nope. Orton? Nope. I actually got to get this. Lashley. Uh, And Lashley did not kick out. No, he did Uh, not. Cena went for what was called the I'm frustrated clothesline, but Owens ducked it and used the pop-up powerbomb for a two-count, and that was when the crowd finally went to the next level and accepted the finish was coming. Um, that's when Cena hit the middle rope AA and Owens kicked out. Owens got a two off the small package of Doom, but then Cena slept on the STF and Owens tapped out. Brian, that John works. Cena John Cena is still the United States heavyweight champion. I look sad. Yes. But other than that, excellent match. Um, I don't think it was as good as either of the first two, but it was still really, no. really great. Not even close. 
But I'd, I'd still go match the night. What about you? Yeah. 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 I would say so. Well, since we already had a Divas match, we have a new Divas match. The And who came out but the male Diva himself, The Miz, for the okay. piss break portion of the show. And they explain that the Ryback has a staff infection and won't and wouldn't be able to wrestle. Uh, and this St. Louis crowd once had to watch Miz wrestle in the Royal Rumble for over 40 minutes. So I could see why wow. they would be disappointed to see the Miz come out. Yeah, of course. Um, Miz called the Ryback the big pansy and said that when the uh, going gets tough, Ryback gets injured. He questioned if Ryback was really injured, and that's when he turned his attention to the Big Show. He said Big Show probably wasn't even there, said Big Show uh, needs to retire, and that he hasn't meant anything since the Attitude Era, and that the authorities should name him Intercontinental Champion. Well, I mean, at this point, we've seen, we already saw Stephanie come out and assign teams with the Divas, so why not assign Intercontinental Champions? And then Big Show came out. Big Show perhaps did his 41st face heel turn. I don't know if it's official or not, but if it is, this is number 41 in the last 15, 16 years. Uh, And, of course, when Big Show came out, Miz uh, did a 180, talked about how great Big Show was. Big Show was this awesome giant, and how they should be tag team partners again. And Show walked in and punched Miz right in the face. And walked off. That should be a. What was that? Does this show have a black eye? I don't know. I didn't really check. I didn't see it anyway. I would approve if this happened on every single pay per view ever. If Big Show just every month before the main event, Miz came out and ran his mouth, and Big Show literally walks in. Punches him in the face and walks out. That makes sense. It, it reminded me, believe it or not, it reminded me of the first time Ron Simmons did his random damn, because it was uh, John Cena was cutting a promo on Booker T, and uh, I think he said something like that uh, Booker lost his status as a black man, and Ron Simmons came out, just r- the most random cameo of, it, of all time at the time. He comes out, says damn, which was funny enough, and then turned around and walked away, which was even funnier. And then, of I course, remember they, that. Yeah. But then, of course, they did the damn 75 more times, and it stopped being as funny. Uh, JBL uh, referenced Gregory Peck. Um, Gregory Peck, who was the uh, who was the star of To Kill a Mockingbird, a movie from over 50 years ago, and that was the reference he made. And, of course, uh, the king gets that reference. (laughs) Thank you, king. Sometimes sometimes i got to wonder. The uh, whatchamacallit, the St. Louis Cardinals were there, and they were, uh, I guess they had an 18-inning game against the New York Mets today, and... You know, they, could, they couldn't reference that enough, could they? They had to get no, uh, no. The Kill a Mockingbird, which was released 
on Christmas Day, 1962. So it's been 53 years. Of course. So then, Brian, it's time for the main event. Yes. Seth Rollins, the WWE Champion, versus Brock Lesnar. I was doing the live play-by-play on angrymarks.com, and it was 10.30 when Brock came out, and I made the joke, you know, I don't want to claim this match may not last very long or anything, but it's 10.30, and Brock just took a lap around the ring before entering it. So, I had this feeling that I wasn't lasting too long, and I was right. It went, I don't even think it crossed 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Now, there's going to be some discussion. There's going to be a lot of discussion about this main event and comparing it to the many other times Brock has done a main event in the past year since the Cena match when the Cena match at SummerSlam was just suplex, 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 and then F5 for the win. Um, We've actually got a caller, Brian. I mean, not only do we have a listener, we have a caller. Yeah, we've got a caller. Let's go to him right now. Caller, who is this in? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Virginia. My name is John. My cell phone number is 540 oh, oh, oh. Don't say your cell phone number on the air. But uh, uh, what would right. you think of the uh, show tonight? Well, I really thought the show was was okay. I mean, you had a great Divas triple threat match, and you had uh, Reigns versus Bray Wyatt with, surprisingly enough, Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt are back together again. And then I was kind of surprised because we all knew that The Undertaker was going to come back. And lo and behold, we knew he was coming for one man, and that was Brock Lesnar. I was saying ever since last year, I was shocked that Undertaker never even teased that he wanted another WrestleMania match with Brock Lesnar. And, you know... They must have heard me complaining because now they're giving it to us at SummerSlam. Yeah, because it's been like 15 months, however, and, you know, Undertaker made a statement to Brock when he tombstoned him twice, and he and he could have said, hey, you ruined my streak, and now I'm here to get what's mine. Brock, I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, but what... Did you enjoy the show overall? Uh, um, I, I have to give it a 7 out of 10, too. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. we were uh, talking about the Cena-Owens match a minute ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Cena uh, pinning Owens? Or not pinning Owens, but making him submit. Well, you know, well, you know that had to dr- drive a wedge to Owens because, you know, Cena was 2-1, to one, is now 2-1 to one in victory, and making Owens submit was a huge factor. But, you know, we shouldn't look to the brighter facts now. At SummerSlam, I think we are destined to see Owens and Cena again. Only this time, it could be a triple threat with if you have Cesaro involved. Or, in a fatal four-way, you could either have Cesaro or Rus- and Rusev all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think that's what I think a lot of people figured that Cesaro and Rusev, at least one of them would interfere tonight. And, of course, it never happened. Yeah. Well, uh, and also one more thing. I don't know if you've heard all about this or not, 
But if they don't go with Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns versus Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt, maybe, and just maybe, I'm calling it as I see it, but it's too early, maybe they could go with Bray Wyatt and Sting at SummerSlam. I was thinking Seth Rollins versus Sting because after, you know, Rollins has nobody else to wrestle, and obviously Reigns is still wrestling uh, hey, hey, Bray. Hey, hey, hey. You know what? You know what? Maybe maybe I just thought of something. I just thought of something. Rollins' escape didn't come in the ring when under wasn't in the ring when Undertaker and Brock fought, right? So, yeah, Rollins in my opinion, you can. So, in my opinion. I can take it with a grain of salt. Rollins versus Taker versus Brock in a triple threat match at SummerSlam. That would be interesting. It would um, be, yeah. I, I don't know because Rollins got almost no offense tonight. I was about to say, it wasn't like when Cena wrestled Lesnar and took 20 suplexes on his head. Cena then no, came no, back and hit a sixteen suplexes. Okay. Well, the thing is, Cena still came back and hit all of his offense on uh, Lesnar before going down. Seth Rollins hit call, a bunch of like. Did you call Seth Rollins penis boy? <laughs> I've never called him penis boy before. Actually, okay. on this show, um, uh, go back and listen to our show with Joe Dombrowski. Virgil is penis boy to us on this show. Um, <laughs> well, all right, guys. Uh, thank you for having the privilege to call me, and uh, hope to call you guys back again somehow. Uh, this Wednesday at ten, we're here every Wednesday night. All right. See you later. Take care. Uh-uh. All right, Brian. So we had a caller. I think that was Frank. I really do. Ah, uh, Frank will let us know. But either way, if it, if it was Frank, you know, I wasn't a fan of him giving out his phone number on air. But either way, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what do you think, Brian? Because you heard what I said. I think it looked weird that uh, Rollins got like no offense at all. He got some leg kicks, but really that was it. Uh, yeah. What was your thoughts on it? Uh. I really thought it was going to be a quick match. Uh, I mean, we we knew it was going to be a quick match, but I figured it was going to be a Lesnar victory and, like, Taker coming out at the very end. And, uh, you know, like, uh, interesting Brock celebration and then the SummerSlam match being made. So, I don't know. We'll see. So, what do you think Seth does from here? Uh, the rumor is it's supposed to be Seth and Triple H at SummerSlam. So, well, I don't know. I mean, that was the, that would work better if Seth has done anything to break away from Hunter. Cause, but every week it's, oh, my God, I'm afraid. I better go hide behind Hunter. It's never yeah. been Seth out there doing anything by himself. And I'm honestly half afraid that he's going to be wrestling Kane. No offense, Brian, oh, but God. I don't want to see him wrestling Kane. I really don't want to see. I don't. I don't really want to see that either, Emerson. <laughs> As a huge Kane fan, I don't want to see that. So it's like that's why I'm like because I can't see them doing uh, Orton again. I mean, I guess they no. could if push came to shove, but yeah, I and like Ambrose is probably going to do the tag with Reigns against the Wyatts. 
Sheamus yeah. is a heel. Big Show's technically a heel. That's why I'm like, maybe Sting. I, you know? I don't want to see Big Show falling by there, personally. Well, I, well, who else? Who, what other baby faces do they have? Like, Cena's tied up. It sure as hell isn't going to be Cesaro. Ryback yeah, is the IC champ. Like, see, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I think really, it's either... I don't. I don't believe it's going to be Triple H. I, it's way too soon. I know that it was the idea at first, but it's way too soon. They haven't even really teased dissension with the two of them, and especially if they break away now, Rollins goes from one of the worst book champions to possibly the worst book champion of all time, because, like, he's honestly almost beating Rey Mysterio as like the worst champion ever. That's Almost. how bad this is. Almost. It's like the only thing that he's got that Rey Mysterio doesn't have, or I guess is vice versa in this situation, Rey Mysterio once lost three straight weeks, clean in basically squash matches as world champion, to Mark Henry, the great Kali, and Kane in three consecutive weeks to build up a pay-per-view with JBL. Yes, yes. Okay, so we get to the match, and we'll go through it again. I know we've basically talked about everything after the match, but this match was very quick, and it was one suplex after another. Rollins had one minute of great defense, where every time Brock went for a suplex, he grabbed the ropes, but then that failed because Brock had one suplex, then a second suplex, then a third suplex, then a fourth suplex, then a fifth suplex, and then Rollins finally rolled out of the ring while Heyman cackled. Rollins yeah. decided two minutes into the match that it was best to just leave. He took his belt and ran through the crowd. So Lesnar yeah. jumped over the barricade and chased him down and dragged him back into the ring for more beating. Six suplexes. He went for a seventh, but Rollins landed on his feet. Uh, we then went from a suplex city to a super kick party as Rollins became an, a young buck. He hit two suicide dives. And, okay, he, he did more offense than just leg kicks, but he basically did nothing the whole match. He hit a bunch of super kicks, a few leg kicks, two suicide dives. But when he went for the third suicide dive, Brock followed him back in, and he hit the seventh suplex and the eighth suplex. And the ninth suplex, and the tenth suplex, and the eleventh suplex, and the twelfth suplex, and then Lesnar decided it was time to take it home. He lifted Seth up for the F5. He planted him. He covered him. Hooked the leg. That's when Undertaker came out. He didn't have Johnny Cash, but... Uh, you know, I, I ended up liking that song a lot more than it was at WrestleMania when they played that song for like 10 straight minutes at the end of that match. Yeah. 
I really hated that song at that point. But either way, Undertaker magically appeared. Seth Rollins and Mike Chioda disappeared off the face of the earth. They're probably the same place that Scott Armstrong went at Survivor Series last year when Sting came out. Um, I hope not, because I haven't seen Scott Armstrong since. Oh, wow, yeah, that's true. He was older. No, because they did the storyline where he was fired because he did a fast count to help Daniel Bryan beat Randy Orton like two years ago. They fired him and then brought him back to be a heel referee at WrestleMania and then a heel referee at Survivor Series. And that was it. Yeah. So, uh, so Undertaker gives Brock, uh, Undertaker goes for the choke slam, but Brock slips out and goes for the F5. And so Undertaker kicks him in the balls. <laughs> the best defense. Uh, Paul Heyman's freaking out. Uh, and I noticed, I noticed this afterwards. Paul Heyman's wearing a very light-colored purple shirt. And so it made me think of, you know, black and purple Undertaker colors. But yeah, yeah. Subtly, he was telling us what was about to happen. So Undertaker, so after the kick to the balls, Undertaker chokeslammed him to hell before dropping him with not one, but two tombstones. And yeah. now did Seth Rollins run back in and cover Brock? No. Did the referee ring the bell and announce a disqualification? No. Yeah. Did the referee ring the bell and announce a no contest? No. No. Instead, the show just ended. <laughs> so... So Undertaker Brock at SummerSlam, and what do you think? Ah, uh, if Taker doesn't win, I'll be shocked. I think that's uh, a fairly easy bet. I think. Yeah, yeah. If he doesn't win, I'll be shocked. So. Uh, we'll and yes, we will. So that was Battleground. I give it a thumbs up. What about you? Yes, yes, I do give it a thumbs up. It was a great match. I meant the whole show. Brian? Hello? Yes? Yes, what about the whole show? What do you give the whole show? Oh, it's a thumbs up. It was a a great soiree of of an event. The great soiree? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. True Grit. True Grit. True Grit. It's a competition in a class by itself. Starcade 88. True Grit. The biggest baddest wrestling event of the year now available on video cassette witness over two hours of thrilling heart-stopping action it's an eye for an eye when sizzling hot sting tags up against the awesome might of the road warriors and massive bam bam 
Bigelow gets his shot at the U.S. heavyweight title and the self-confident Barry Windham. Plus, dog-faced Kremlin Rick Steiner struggles for his honor and the world TV title against former teammate Mike Rotunda. The Midnight Express with Jim Cornette and the original Midnight Express with Paul E. Dangerously fight for supremacy in a raging grudge match. And Steve, Dr. Death Williams tags up with Games Master Kevin Sullivan in an intense duel with the Fantastics for the U.S. Tag Team Championship. And the ultimate five-time world heavyweight champion, Nature Boy, Ric Flair, collides with total package Lex Luger in a powerful NWA World Heavyweight Championship matchup that may never again be repeated. Plus, much, much more. You won't want to miss a minute of this historic first-class competition. Starcade 88, True Grit. Reserve your ringside seat by ordering this action-packed video cassette today. Well, some boys should probably watch Starcade 88, you know? Possibly, possibly. So, G1 Climax starts in two hours, Brian. I know how yes. excited you are. Thrilled. So, yes. So, a few out there are like Brian and don't really know what's going on or what the hell I'm talking about. And, nope, Brian, nope. If, you'll, yeah, if you don't mind, you know, listening to me talk, uh, I want to talk I... about the G1. Go ahead. All right. Now I'm gonna take I'm gonna go from Brian Rose over at WrestlingObserver.com, who posted a very helpful Q and A about the G1 earlier today. Now the first question you may ask is what is the G1 tournament or what does G1 stand for? The G1 it stands for Grade One. It is a tournament that's held every year by New Japan holding a varying number of wrestlers. This year, they're at 20, and they're put into two blocks of an equal number of people. And then at the end, they do a round-robin tournament of those two blocks. So this year, there's two blocks of 10. They'll each wrestle each other and have nine matches. And at the end, the winner of block A wrestles the winner of block B. Easy, right? Now, the one change they did make this year was in prior years, uh, they did, every show was all G1 matches. So last year, for instance, they had 22 people in it, and then each person would get a night off, and so every night was 10 G1 matches, uh, and that was it. This year, instead, to give these guys a little more rest, because there's always a lot of injuries at the end of this thing, uh, they're going to go back and forth between what block does what night, and then whatever block has the quote-unquote night off, they're going to do a bunch of multi-person tag matches, which, uh, at least in Japan, you know, they're very, they're formulaic, they're easy to do. So you got 19 shows this year, uh, the 19th being the final next month, on August 16th, which should be a fun week with all the wrestling going on that week. SummerSlam, I, SummerSlam and uh, NXT TakeOver the following week. Now, points, Brian, you may be wondering, you know, how do they determine it? They determine, like, say, AJ Styles is 5-3 and three, and Togi Makabe is 5-2-1. and one. How do they determine who advances? Well, it's simple. They've got a point system, and it's not the Bound for Glory series that has complicated points. It's easy. If I beat you, Brian, I get two points. But if you Which and I went to a draw... So you do not beat me. I beat you every time we ever wrestle, Brian. 
You do not, uh, no. However, if you and I went to a draw of some sort, whether it be a double count out or a disqualification or whatever, we each get one point, and the loser gets zero points. Now, at the end of the tournament, if two guys uh-huh. are tied, whoever uh-huh. whoever beat the other advances to the finals. So if AJ Styles and Togi Makabe both have 10 points, uh, whoever won their head-to-head match would advance to the finals. Yes. Um, yes. Now, Brian, I'm going to help you out a little bit, and I'm going to run down all 20 participants for you. Okay, and, go ahead. All right, so we're going to start with the A block, which, first of all, this name you know, especially since I've said it now four times, AJ Styles, former yes. multiple-time A champion, former two-time IWGP champion, just lost the title two weeks ago. And he, if if a guy, Jin, is going to win, it's probably going to be him. In, yeah. fact, in fact, there's no other guy, Jin, who has a chance. A guy, Jin, by the way, is a foreign wrestler. Okay. Uh, we then get Bad Luck Fale, who uh, he's 6'4". Okay, so he's not incredibly monstrous tall. However, uh-huh. a lot of a lot of wrestlers in Japan are not very, very tall. Like most of them are between five eleven, six one, six two. So Fale at six four towers over people. And uh he uh he's just really awesome and last year he went pretty far in the tournament, including defeating uh perennial IWGP champion Hiroshi Tanahashi, who is also in this block. Hiroshi Tanahashi, wow. seven-time IWGP champion. He won the G1 Climax in 2007, uh, and he's been wrestling in basically comedy matches now for the past four months, healing his injuries to go balls to the walls for the next three weeks. Uh, we have another person you would know, Brian, Doc Gallows. You formerly known as Luke Gallows slash Festus slash Fake Kane. He was yeah, CM Punk about. got him off. Yeah, CM Punk got him off that horrible medication Jesse had him on, and he became straight edge. He then became a biker in Orlando, and then flew to Japan to do what he's doing now. Hmm. Yeah. Where was the? End- what was that? I said, where is this belt? Yep. The NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Hiroyoshi Tenzan. Uh, he's a three-time winner of the G1 Climax in 03, 04, and 06. And he's uh, frequently teams with Brian's favorite wrestler he's never, ever seen, Kojima. Mm-hmm. Kojima. I fully expected you to do that, too, but he didn't. <laughs> uh, we then get Katsuyori Shibata, who, to make things easier for you, Brian, he's kind of like Brock Lesnar. He started okay. wrestling for – he wrestled for four or five years and then left wrestling and joined MMA, where he was in MMA for about eight years before returning to New Japan in 2012. And he has a lot of stiff, a lot of stiff kicks, a lot of stiff punches that you watch him wrestle and you'd love it. 
to be honest. Okay. Kota Ibushi, who was supposed to be in last year, but he got a concussion, so he was taken out. Um, he's a wonderful high flyer. He has, of everybody other than the four main people, uh, he's probably got the best chance to uh, be there at the end. But I don't okay. think he is personally. I think it's set up to have AJ, Tanahashi, Okada, and uh, Nakamura at the end. But we'll get to that. We then get 2013 G1 Climax winner and former TNA uh, uh, superstar Tetsuya Naido, who, again, uh, once uh, was in TNA for a cup of coffee doing nothing in a tag team and then headlined the Tokyo Dome in front of 40,000 people just two years ago. And meanwhile, TNA has never done 40,000 people, perhaps total, with all their shows put together in their entire life. Sure, sorry. Uh, Former IWGP champion and 2009 G1 Climax winner Toge Makabe is next. Uh, He's spent the last several months feuding with Tomohiro Ishii over the Never Championship. Um, And he's Unfortunately, he's going to be one of those people who are going to be four and five, three and six, somewhere in there. I don't think anyone considers him a threat to be there at the end, but he's going to give you a bunch of great matches. Then we have the greatest comedy wrestler of all time, Toro Yano. I can't describe this man. I really can't. He's a he's a pudgy guy, he stands out because he's absolutely different from everybody else who's going to be in this tournament because his entire offense is comedy heel spots. Like, that's it. His matches rarely go more than five minutes, and they consist of him consistently trying to use chairs, taking off the turnbuckle pads, uh, kicking his opponent low. I don't even know what his finisher is because every time he wins, he wins with a roll-up. And it just, but he's he's the greatest wrestler ever. And yeah, so that's Block okay. A. Yes. And as mentioned, uh, most most people uh, look at AJ and Tanahashi as the two people it's going to come down to at the end. Um, it doesn't help that the last. Uh, the last A-block match at the end, well, there's two of them. Uh, on August 14th at the Sumo Hall, it's uh, Toge Makabe versus Kota Ibushi, and then Hiroshi Tanahashi versus AJ Styles. And whoever has the most points after that is going to win, and those two are going to be the last two matches. So you know it's coming down to some combination of the four of them, at least in the A-block. So we go to block B, Brian. Are you ready for 10 more, Brian? Brian, I mean, i Okay, I'm not putting you to sleep, am I? No, I'm eating pizza, actually. Okay, hope you're enjoying the pizza. Because Roki Goto, the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, winner of the 2008 G1 Climax, he's in block B, and he's never been able to 
win the big title, the IWGP World Heavyweight title ever. He's best described kind of like Reggie Miller would be. He's always a bridesmaid, but never a bride. Reggie Miller never won anything in the NBA, but it was always there in the end. Yeah. Uh, And that's kind of where Goto is. Um, Carl Anderson, another member of the Bullet Club, another American. Um, He's actually the runner-up in the 2012 G1 Climax. Um, No American has ever won the G1. However, he and Ravishing Rick Rude are the only two Americans to ever be in the finals. Go figure. Yes. Um, Kazuchiko Okada, the reigning, defending IWGP champion, a reigning, defending G1 Climax winner. He's a two-time winner of the G1 Climax, winning back in 2012 as well. He's younger than either Brian or myself. He's 27, and he's best known to North American fans as the guy that Vince Russo said was no good and put him under a mask as a as Samoa Joe's cameraman, Okado, in TNA, and he got beat up when the Pope was doing his dog fighting gimmick. Mm. Interesting. Yes. And so he is going to be so he, like I love I always love like I, I know I rip Vince Russo a lot, but like he's the one that I always point to when I say that Vince Russo knows shit about wrestling. Yeah. Um so yeah. We get uh the only real outsider of the group, Michael Elgin. Uh, Ring of uh, from Ring of Honor, former Ring of Honor champion. Honestly, I don't think he's ever wrestled for New Japan before. Like he's been a part of the uh, shows ROH has had with New Japan uh, the last two years, but he's never. I don't think he's ever been. He may have been to Japan. But I don't think he's ever wrestled for New Japan before. Um, mm-hmm. But the way it's set up, he's going to be another one of those people at the bottom of the totem pole. So he's, he's never going to get too many wins, but there are many different ways to get over in this tournament and putting on a strong performance here could mean a lot for his career going forward, especially if he wants to keep going to Japan. Of course we get, we get Brian's favorite wrestler. He's never, ever seen wrestle once. Brian, what's his name? Kojima. Lariat. 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 Yep. He is the 2010 winner of the G1 Climax. He is one of the few people who have won both the IWGP title and the All Japan Triple Crown title. Um, And he may surprise a few people. He may be there at the end. I don't think it, but hey, you never know. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura might... What was that? I said, hey, it could happen. Hey, right. Shinsuke Nakamura, my my favorite serious wrestler in the world, Shinsuke Nakamura, former three-time IWGP champion, former IWGP Intercontinental champion, the winner of the 2011 G1 Climax. He's got so much charisma. You cannot watch his entrance. And even though you don't know a single word of Japanese, Brian, 
You could watch his entrance. You could watch his entrance and be like, I love this man. I want to watch him wrestle. I want to watch him kick some ass. That's how great he is. And he's my pick to win it all. He was the runner-up last year to Okada, and he's my pick, dude. And I know you really care who my pick is. Um, I'll see you. Tomoaki Hanma. This guy, I don't know. This guy is amazingly popular, but never wins ever. He last year he went 0 and 10 in the G1. He was actually the person who replaced Kota Ibushi in last year's G1. He went 0 and 10. He lost at uh, like pretty much every match he had for months afterwards. There are only two mm-hmm. times I remember him actually winning a match, and once was at the Tokyo Dome in a six-man tag, uh, and then once was a few weeks ago actually. So. Yeah. He doesn't have a very good win-loss record, but damn, is he popular. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii. Yep. What was that? I said it should be a fun tournament so far. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii, who is another one of those strong-style guys who, if you want to watch people beat the shit out of each other, he's one of the people to watch. Uh, and if it's your st- if you can enjoy two people hitting each other as hard as they can, this guy is probably the best. And, but if and it's not like it's not they're not hitting each other in dangerous spots. That's the key too. It's like I can't watch a Chris Benoit match, at least most Chris Benoit matches, because every seemingly every match he's taking a incredibly stupid, unprotected shot to his head. And, you know, but, you know, Ishii and and uh, Shibata and Makabe, they're destroying each other, but you can tell they're not actually destroying each other. Yeah. I'm not going to fear that Ishii's going to do something stupid in the future. Okay. Yuji Nagata, 47 years old, Entering another G1, he was in WCW in 1997 and former IWGP champion. He actually lost the IWGP title to Scott Norton, of all people, in 1999. So he's been here a while. Yeah, I'll say so. Yeah. And then the final person... Yujiro Takahashi, and when No Limit broke up, it was him and Naito were No Limit. Naito took off while Yujiro is more concerned with how pretty his lady friends are. Um, He did, of course, win the Never title, but lost it last year and hasn't really done a whole lot since. But, you know... Again, he's not expected to do much, but who knows what will happen. But that's the 20 people in this year's G1. It starts in one hour and 41 minutes. And the winner, uh, it's pretty much a guarantee the winner gets 
a uh, title shot on January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Okada is the current IWGP champion, so don't know what will happen if he wins it, but we'll see. There you go. So, Brian, who, if going through all those names, who do you think is going to win? AJ Styles. <laughs> is that the only person you can remember, isn't it? No, I remember a couple. Okay. Well, tell me who you remember. Eugene Nagata. Kojima. Two. Three. Doc Gallows. Doc Gallows. Four. AJ Styles. Are you counting him? I already counted him. Did I say Kojima? Yeah. Who's my fa- Who are my two favorite wrestlers, Brian, in this? No idea. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to grill Brian on this for the next three weeks because in the next three weeks, people, we've got – actually, it's four weeks, really, because tonight's the 20th, so we got 11. So over the next 27 days, there are 19 shows, and each and each run about three hours. And, Ooh. Brian, I'm going to be watching them. I'll take your word for it. Last year I watched them all. I, I, I last year I did get behind a little bit. Um, I was behind like three shows at one point, but I got to the end and I managed to watch the whole thing without it getting spoiled on me, which is the big thing. And so that, so that is Brian and I's G1 climax preview. Brian sitting there going, "Really?" and me pronouncing every name. <sighs> <laughs> so Brian, what show were we reviewing on Wednesday? Um, ECW, an ECW show. What show? Uh, uh shit. That's a great show, ECW. Oh shit. I figured it was, it was a 1999 one. Nope. Yeah. Close enough. It was Hardcore Heaven 2000. Oh, that's close. Uh, so that's on Wednesday. Brian, is there anything else you want to tell the uh, our fans out there, our loyal listeners? No, I mean, Wednesday, I, oh, crap. We need to talk about Wednesday. Oh, no, no, we don't. Never mind. I okay, can't wait to end this show. I'm just going to end the show now. Good idea. Say good night.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.